Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. All right, you can remain standing as we read the Word of God. Last service, I think they were a little mad at me because I let them sit down. And then I had them stand right back up, okay? So I don't want you to do that. But first, I want to say welcome to you. Give the person to you next, closest to you, high five, and say, get ready for the word. All right. So maybe you're here for your very first time, we, or you're watching online for the very first time. We call you VIPs. You're a very important person because you're a person that Jesus gave his life for. So we're so thankful that you are here. So everybody else that's been here a while or you've been here and you call it home, let's give all our brand new people some love and, and thank them for being here today. So with that being said, we have been doing this series called Bear Fruit, and we want to be fruitful people for God. So today, it's the eighth week, believe it or not, and we're going to wrap it up talking about self-control. But here's what I want you to do. The reason I've been having you read this every week is because I want you to memorize these couple of verses because I want it to become action in your life as you live out there. So that's what's important. So let's do this together right now. Here we go. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Read it audibly out loud if you can, please. Here we go. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Father, thank you for your word. May it penetrate our hearts and make us the people that you would smile upon and love and use for your glory. We rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus. He has no right to be here. May we take these precious moments to become the people that are holy and righteous because of you. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody shouts, amen. amen. Have a seat. All right, so today I'm gonna, I want to set this up by talking about something that happened in my life. See, when you think about what's the opposite of self-control? Out of control, that's right. So it made me go back in my mind, and I've shared this story before. Uh, for those of you can, can can think how dumb I was, uh, you can think how dumb I was again when I share this story. Some of you that's never heard this story can think of how dumb I am for the first time. But anyway... Well, that being said, back in 1999, I think it was, in May of 1999, I went to Israel for my first time. Been blessed to be there multiple times since then to, to go to the, to the geographical location of our faith. And while I was gone, my wife, taking care of our three young daughters, uh, she was very much, she's very much a Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, while I was gone, she actually dug a fish pond. I mean, this huge fish pond. I come back and had the coeys and all those kind of fish in it and stuff like that. Had the lily pads. I mean, she went all out. It was really cool. But when I get back home, she begins to tell me over the past few days, there had been this strange car driving by the front of our house, going real slow at times, pulling in the driveway, stopping, and it just kind of just kind of creeped her out a little bit. What's these people doing? It looked like a couple of guys in the car. And so this happened to my understanding from her multiple times. So after I get back home one night late, we're in the bed and all of a sudden we hear something. I, don't, I can't remember if it's in the driveway maybe. And this car backed out. It stopped in front of our house. And so for me to be the man of the hour, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to be the man of the hour. I'm going to be the dad. I'm the protector. I'm the provider. I'm going to rise to the occasion. So I go out and run out, get in my car in that Camry that I had. And they had went down the road, turned around, and was driving back this way. So what did I do? I get in my 
my car and I start racing down through there headed toward them like playing chicken. And all of a sudden I grabbed that emergency brakes and I done a Dukes of Hazard and I slid sideways in the road. They couldn't go nowhere. And then I jumped out real quick and I looked at them and I said, what are you doing? And I was in my underwear. And these two guys, it was priceless to see these two guys' faces of this maniac doing what I did at that moment. And I'm telling you, it scared them so bad, we never saw them again. Because they thought, the lunatic in the fruit of the looms, we better not come back down this road. So we never saw them again. But when I looked down and I realized that I didn't put on any clothes, I think I was a little out of control. You know what I'm saying? So with that being said, how many of you here are like me? You've done something, you weren't in self-control, but you've done something where you were out of control. Raise your hand. Thank you for making me feel better. Anyway, so with that being said, getting in control in your life is really about climbing and cruising. You say, what do you mean? Well, I like to walk, and I, my goal is to walk 15 miles a week to take care of my health. And so in my community where I walk, there's a couple of hills. And those hills are they're like this you know and what kills me is that the neighbor's dog charlotte she's a german shepherd she always comes out to meet me to walk with me some mornings you know she might miss a morning too but he can't seem to keep her at the house so she's a friendly german shepherd dog so here's what kills me i know that i'm facing this big old hill to go up and when i get up there charlotte just runs up it and i'm thinking that's not me you know so I take and try my best to hoof it up. And once I climb the hill and get up there, then I get to cruise for a while. And it's good. And I'm listening to, to, a, to a podcast or something, you know. And, uh, and then I go down this long hill and cruise down it. It's about a quarter of a mile long. But then when I get to the end, I got to turn around and come back. And I'm facing this long quarter mile hill like this. And I'm thinking, uh, I want to call Shannon. Could you come pick me up in the car? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's how you kind of feel in your flesh. You know, you don't want to. You don't want to go up the hill, but when I do finally make it up the hill and, and whether Charlotte's walking with me or not, and I get to the top, and yes, it's challenging, but then I get to cruise for a while. My heart's beating, I'm sweating and everything, and I cruise all the way back home. The point of it is, I began to think about that, and I thought about, that's kind of like we do in our spiritual life. Many people live their lives just on cruise control. You say, what do you mean? They don't give much thought to what they need to be doing. You need to climb before you cruise. It takes something you got to do before you get to be able to cruise in life. Just cruising along the highway of life uh, uh, and waving at God every now and then is not really what I'm talking about. It's, if, you don't, if you do that and you wave at God every now and you're not considering God in every single area of your life. you got to consider God every area of your life because if you don't, there may be an area that you end up losing control in. I climb and then I can cruise. Climb before cruising. Climbing up that uphill battle so I can enjoy being able to the cruise of success later. Do you find yourself cruising in life sometimes and you're thinking about something since I've mentioned this and then you lost control? It can happen in our spiritual lives. It can happen in our relationships. It can happen in our finances. It can happen in our families. And I'll ask you this. Do you agree with me that we all want to become people that are more self-controlled? Would you agree with that? We want to be people that are more self-controlled in daily life. That's us. Think about the people in your life that are very successful. They are people who likely they practice self-discipline. They practice self-control in their life. But think about the people who are not very successful. Think about the people in your life that they've had an, a string of embarrassing setbacks. They've had a lot of different things that's happened when it comes to difficult things. 
What ends up happening if you're that type of person, what happens is your excuses become king. I've met and I've counseled with people over the years. They give me all kinds of excuses. They'll say, well, I didn't mean to do that, but I did. Well, I quit doing the homework. Well, you don't understand. I cheated on my diet or I cheated on my spouse. You don't understand. I I thought everything was taken care of with the contracts. Or I thought that someone had taken care of that at the office. Or I I, I know I just thought I covered my bases. But what ends up up happening when you get on cruise control, you end up lacking self-control. God wants us to be more disciplined, listen to me, than you want to be, than I want to be. God wants us in that in our life because he knows that we'll never achieve anything of lasting value unless we live a life of self-control. So really, when you think about self-control, what is it? Well, here's a simple definition for you. It's to control one's desires and actions when facing temptations and impulses. Those things you're going to face on a daily basis. We're going to deal with temptations. We're going to face things that that impulse at that moment. You're faced with that decision. You know, it's just like sales, you know. Ladies, you love sales. I know it because I have a wife, okay? (laughs) How many of you ladies love sales when you go to the mall? Raise your hand. Well, if you weren't prepared for that sale, you're going to go in and spend all kinds of money that you probably don't have. You know what I'm saying? You're going to break out a credit card and then you're going to pass out when you see the bill when you get it that month. You know, the funniest thing it is that gets me is that my wonderful wife, man, she will go uh, into a store and say, I got to go in here and pick up one thing. That ain't happening. One thing? When have you ladies ever went into a store or went into a mall or went into a shop and you actually bought one thing? Somebody's going to raise their hand, but most of you have not. My wife will come out with 10 bags of stuff and this is what she tell me. It was on sale. I saved us money. <laughs> Let me calculate. How are you spending money? If you're spending money, how are you saving money? Explain that to me. Somebody's clapping over here like, yeah, sale, you know. But it's not, you know. You know, guys, I can pick on you, uh, you know. You see some kind of tool on sale and you go to it and you buy it. Or you got to have the latest ride or the latest truck or the latest car. Or you got to have the best fishing equipment or hunting equipment and all those kind of things. Listen to me. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you buying anything if you can afford it. Okay? If you're living to where that you are making those decisions before you get to that temptation, before you get to that impulse. Let me say this. You're out there doing stuff like that and blowing up credit cards. You don't have savings. There's a problem. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and see who's got a savings or not, but you need a savings. If you're not bringing off the top what God has blessed you to his house with tithes and offerings, and you're saying, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord. Do you think God's going to bless you more if you're not managing, managing what he's already given you right now and you're keeping it for yourself? Think about that. Think about that. A good 10, 10, 80 plan is it. Bring God's tithes and offerings off the top, save 10 for yourself, live on the rest. That's just something to to think about there. But here's something I want to point out. In Proverbs 25 and 28, there's a lot of areas we can go into, and we're going to touch a few of them today. But look at what it says. It says, a person without self-control is like a city city with broken down walls. See, walls in the day and time and where he was writing here, Solomon, was used to be able, it restricted people's movement. They were basically fenced in. However, they were very happy to have the walls or they knew that they were vulnerable to the attacks of enemies. But in this walls, they had security, they had comfort, they had community going on. So think of self-control as a wall for defense. 
as a wall for protection in your life. See, we're all blessed in this way and in this measure that God is not passive. He's committed to be able to take people like you and me who lacks discipline and lacks self-control and transforming you and I into those kind of people that have self-control, that have discipline. From the very moment that you invite Jesus into your life, it is at that moment that he places the person of the Holy Spirit in the depths of your being. The Holy Spirit does a natural, supernatural transforming work into your heart and into your life that moves us into the individuals as we follow his leadership. He models to us what self-control is by working through us to be self-controlled people and to be self-disciplined. But understand, you have to climb before you cruise. You have to pay before you play. We become self-controlled in our lives when we join hands with the Holy Spirit of God. He's going to lead us. He's going to guide us. He's going to direct us into being people that the, the, the whole domain of our life is disciplined because we're partnering with God's Spirit in our life. Now, there's something I'm going to share with you this whole time, and I hope you get it, and it resonates with your spirit. Self-control is all about choices. Say that with me. Self-control is all about choices. Say it out loud one more time, please. Self-control is all about choices. So for the remainder of our time together, when I say self-control is all about, what are you going to say? Choices. Because it is. It's every single day. Understand that choices are good, choices are bad. From the time that we wake up, here's what happens if you're a Christian. Lean in if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian yet, you'll have the opportunity before we leave today. But lean in for a minute if you're a Christian. The Holy Spirit, from the time you get, get up in your life, every day of your life, the Holy Spirit will assist you in prearranged choices in your life. He's going to help you to be able to make decisions in your life before you get into an area in which you need discipline. That is very, very, very important for you to understand. It's like diet and exercise. Diet and exercise is very important to me. You say, why is that? Well, even more so, a couple of years ago, I found out I have an aortic aneurysm. So I'm trying to do what I can do. My doctor says you need to take care of your heart. You need to watch what you're doing. You need to watch your eating habits. Does that mean that I don't ever have ice cream? Yes, I'm going to have ice cream. But how much ice cream and how often? That's another story, okay? That's about a prearranged decision that you're going to make because you need to take care of yourself. Here, uh, just uh, this past week, I uh, asked Shanda to pick up some ice cream, and I think she got this two-for-one deal. What kind of ice cream did I get? Not well, I got Neapolitan this time. I changed from butter pecan. It's good too. But anyway, I worked real hard on her house all day. And you know what? I, you know what? In my mind, I kind of pushed the Holy Spirit. I said, I argued with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, you don't need this ice cream at 8 o'clock at night. And I said, yes, I do. He said, no, you didn't. I said, yes, I do. No, you didn't. The, my will overpowered the will of the Holy Spirit because God doesn't push anything on you want to do. So what did I do? Man, I got out a bowl of that Neapolitan. Man, I took a big old handful of pecans. And then I took Hershey syrup. Anyway, then I took milk and poured milk in it. Man, I'm telling you, that's as close to heaven as you're ever going to get. I'm telling you right now. And I ate that. But here's the problem I should not have ate it at 8 o'clock at night, okay? There's nothing wrong with having ice cream. It's just the lifestyle you've got to look at of what you're doing. Uh, anostrophe is a Greek word for lifestyle, okay? And we're going to look at that here in, in, when, when we're talking about it in just a second, and I want to point that out. But self-control is all about choices. It is. Just like getting up early to be able to go and exercise. It's important. Listen, you'll always put off what's hard to climb today. 
You'll always put off what's hard to climb today. But if you want to cruise tomorrow in success in the area of finances, you've got to climb and, and have prearranged decisions and choices today. If you want to be able to cruise tomorrow and have good health, you've got to make prearranged and good choices today. If you want to have good relationship with God, you've got to be able to know that you're going to have prearranged choices each day that you're doing that. Or when it comes to your relationship with your spouse or your family or whatever it is, it's very important. See, self-control is all about choices. So the goal is self-control. Have you ever heard someone say, or maybe you've said it, control yourself? How many of you ever said that before? How many of you say that was said about you? I think it's all of us where we have that human nature about us, right? There's, there's three areas of control. First and foremost, the, the high pinnacle for all of us would be God control. All the choices that you make in your life is in light of God's Holy Spirit. It's about Christ's character invading your life and God's will for your life. You'll never do God's will unless you're letting the Holy Spirit lead you. He's going to lead you into God's will. And when you give God control, He's going to guide you in your actions through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Christ's power will help you to overcome things that you do not need to do in your life. Once again, it's about a lifestyle. It's the Greek word anostrophe. It's something I'm going to do on a continual basis. It's got to do with ethics. It's got to do with your spirituality, okay? That's the pinnacle of living the god control life. But a lot of people live in cruise control. You say, what do you mean? It kind of reminded me, and I was thinking about cruise control, uh, how many of you know that Tesla's car will drive themselves, right? I don't know if any of you have one, but think about a Tesla. They will actually drive themselves. But here's what's crazy. Back in April, I don't know if you saw this article, but back in April, two men were killed in an accident in Texas in a Tesla car. When they got to the accident, here's what's crazy. One guy was in the passenger seat, and the other guy was in the back seat. There was nobody behind the wheel. You follow what I'm saying? They trusted this car to take them where they needed to go, and they both got killed in an accident. You cannot, just like you cannot trust a Tesla not to be behind the wheel in cruise control and watching what you're doing, you cannot trust cruise control in your own spiritual life. You say, what do you mean? When you click spiritual, uh, when, you, when you click your spiritual life into cruise control, a lot of people that do this and cruise like this, they're not bad people as we might define bad. They are people that are not murderers, they're not rapists, they're not child molesters, they're not drunkards or addicts. They're probably people who attend church, they follow Christ, they've been baptized. But when your spiritual life is in cruise control, there are moments if you don't watch out, your next step is to be out of control. Understand what I'm saying, an out of control life. An out of control life is open to the attacks of the enemy. It's like here this past week, many of you heard, how many of you heard about the shooting at Lock 4 Park here in Gallatin? A guy shoots a couple of bicyclists, and somebody tries to help, and he shoots them. Then he ends up deceasing himself and turning it on himself till he lost his life. Out of control life. It's sad. There's out of control things going on in our nation. People are burning cities down. Out of control life. There are people that are doing crazy things. There's racism going on. It's dividing our nation. Out of control lives. It's really, really sad. So, and, 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 and taking it a step further, on a personal note, People have out-of-control lives when it comes to their mouth. Their tongue is like a bullwhip coming out of the cage and, and hurting people everywhere they go. People have out-of-control gossip. You know what gossip is? Gossip is when you're neither part of the problem or part of the solution, but you're running your mouth about it. That's what gossip is. And I will tell you, in our church, we don't want gossip. If you have a question about something that's going on, you don't have to ask somebody, hey, I want you to pray for so-and-so. Will, would you pray for so-and-so? Why? Will would ask me back. 
And then, oh boy, I get to tell him all about it. Give him all the juicy details in the name of Jesus. That's gossip I didn't see him. No, 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 no. You won't ask somebody to pray for somebody, you don't have to tell them anything. Just tell them I know somebody we need to pray for, they need God's help. You don't have to tell them nothing. So many times we want to know the juicy details. Don't juicy morsels is what Solomon called it. But let me say this, if you think there's something that could hurt our church family or hurt somebody in our church family, if you come to me as a pastor or one of our pastors and say, I think it's something you may need to know, then that's okay. That's not gossip. You came to the leaders. I want you to know that. That's very important. But so many times people get out of control with their mouth, their actions, gossiping, all those kind of things. There's people that are out here that's Christians that say they're professing Christians, but I call them cursing Christians. It's so fun to me, and I was telling somebody, I think we was talking about this in my men's group this past week. But it's so funny to me that I, it ain't that I love that they're doing it, but I love when I get around somebody and their actions and their cussing. Then we fall on the fact that I'm a pastor. Then all of a sudden they get saved, seems like, and they quit cussing just like that. It's weird. And I'm thinking, oh, you're one of them cursing Christians. I don't say that, but I'm thinking, they think, well, you're a pastor. I don't need to cuss for any. I'm thinking, you dummy, God's everywhere. That's what I'm thinking in my mind. You know, whatever you're doing, God's everywhere, right? Are you with me? God's everywhere. His presence is everywhere. So just think about those things. So here, I got a couple of questions for you for your lifestyle. For your lifestyle is this, what kind of person, ask yourself this question, what should I be? Now take it to the next level. What kind of person does God want me to be? And whatever person that is, that's, a, that's, that's the person God wants you to be. How should I live so as to do what is right? What's holy? What's righteous? What's just? What's good? See, self-control is all about, some of you got it. Some of you get it by, hopefully, by the end of the message. I'm gonna, see, how, see how quick you are here. Let's talk about lifestyle choices, okay? Paul said this in chapter 5, of, in verse 16 in Galatians. He said, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. He didn't say your will, your ways, someone else's influence on you. He said, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your simple nature craves. It doesn't say we won't have those kind of cravings. It never said that. We are all going to have them. It says you won't be doing them if we're joined hand in hand with the Holy Spirit of God and following the lead. So let's take about a few, let's think about a few things about the lifestyle choices. Lifestyle choices in our relationships. How many of you here are married? Raise your hand. Great, great. How many of you are happily married? You better shoot your hand up, guys, fast as you can. Right. So you think about being married. Marriage is a wonderful, wonderful union that God has given us. How many of you here that's married, you spend quality, romantic time together at least once a week? How many of you do that? I ain't, yeah, some of you do it? Okay. And at least every other week. And some of you thinking, amen. Some of you thinking, yeah, we spend some quality time together, some intimate time together. Pound, check a pound now. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting together and spending time one-on-one -on -one with one another. Spouses need to date at least once a week or every other week. And some of you, some of you like say, yeah, Pastor T, tell my husband. Anyway, flourishing marriages, listen to me. Make prearranged choices to have a babysitter if you've got kids at home, to be sure to get together for a night, to go out a night just to be with one on one. 
And some of you might be thinking, well, you don't understand, Pastor. What about the kids? They are young. We can't afford to do that. You can't afford not to do it. You find other friends that's got kids, and you say, I'll keep your kids at least twice a month. You keep mine, and, and we'll go out, and we'll go spend time. Well, we don't have the money. Listen, you can go, and you, if, if it's just McDonald's or Taco Bell, and get uh, something on Netflix. That's what opportunity is. you got to do it. you got to do it. It's so, so important to date your mate. You make prearranged decisions to be able to do that because marriages are just being attacked one after another, and the pace of the family is attacking the family. Listen, the family is, is, a, is a building block for our world today. Listen, guys, you've got to do the same things you did to get her. You do the same things to keep her. That's what you do. Listen, ladies, whatever it is that you were doing and, and you showed him that you loved him when you were dating, you keep doing those same things to show him you love him. Even to this point, it's so, so important when it comes to our marriages. Marriages are under attack by the enemy. Lifestyle choices as single adults. How many, if you don't mind raising your hand, if you're a single adult in here, would you just raise your hand real high? Shoot your hand up real quick, real quick. Okay, all right, praise God. Thank you for, for doing it. I want to talk to you just for a moment. You need to practice self-discipline in regarding to who you ever date, okay? you got to make a choice in your life in advance that you do not, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, it doesn't matter about that at this point. My prayer is you're going to become a Christian. But if you're already a Christian, lean in. If you're single, you do not date somebody that's not a Christian. Scripture is very clear on that. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, read it for yourself. Paul was very clear. You don't, you don't date somebody that doesn't know Jesus personally in their life. And some of you think, well, you don't understand, Pastor. Oh, we've been going out, and he is so handsome, Pastor. It's just amazing. No, no, no. And you're thinking, oh, dude, you seen her, man? She's so hot. She's so hot. <laughs> you know what I think about that? <laughs> you can look around in our society today. And even look on TV or you can look on social media. The hottest people, the most beautiful people, and the most handsome people are usually the most nasty people. I'm not saying who you're dating is handsome or beautiful is nasty. Here's what I'm telling you. It can go to their heads and if they don't know Jesus, it will be all about their vainness, not your relationship. What's most important for you as a single person and what's most important for God in your relationship with him is that you tell that person you're about to go out with and God's expecting you to, who's the most important person to you in your life? And you tell them about Jesus. If they don't love Jesus, then you just move on. You say, well, I, well I, I'm just going to, I believe I can lead them to Jesus. That's called mission dating. You may or you may not lead that person to Jesus. That's up between them and Jesus as to whether they give their life to him or not. And you know what? When you end up moving into a marriage like that, you'll have some things to pay for because you didn't climb, you wanted the cruise. Better make the right prearranged decisions when it comes to dating someone and being in a relationship with someone. That's the same thing with sexuality. A lot of people think, well, pastor, you're just living in old school. No, it's very important that we follow the guidelines of Scripture when it comes to sexuality. It's very, very important. Self-control is all about choices. Lifestyle choices in a relationship with God. Here it is, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. That sounded like somebody, we need to get an interpreter and everybody speaking in tongues all at once. The B-I-B-L-E. I stand alone on the Word of God. You guys are good. The Bible, think about it. The Bible. 
You think about the Bible and what people have with the Bible. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? 92% of Americans own at least one copy of the Bible. I want you to know the average household has three copies. It's still the world's best-selling book today. About 67% of Americans say this, that the Bible has the basic answers to life. However, look at the person closest to you and say, however, only 12% say they read their Bible on a regular basis. So I want to ask you a question. And you can shoot your hand up real quick. How many of you here would shoot your hand up and say, I read my Bible on a regular basis? Shoot your hand up real quick, real quick, real quick. If you did not shoot your hand up real quick and you say that you are a Christian, the Bible tells you and me these things and it's important that you make it a regular part of your life. The Bible tells us that we are able to grow spiritually. It tells us how to grow spiritually. It tells us to be part of a local church. It tells us to be able to worship regularly in God's house. It tells us to bring tithes and offerings unto God. It tells us in the Word of God to spend time in God's Word daily and to be able to help us it, talk to Him in prayer, to make choices that we will not let anything get in the way of going to God's house. Well, no matter what the weather is, no matter if the game is on or the race is on, no matter if I'm talking about sex or sanctification in a pulpit, you go to the house of God. The same is true as serving. Now, how many of you here call Freedom Church your home? Raise your hand up real quick, real quick. This is your house. Here's what I want to ask you. Where is your place of serving in the house here? If you cannot tell me that you're serving in the house, then I ask you this. Are you better than Jesus? And I know right now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if we had a personal conversation, you'd say, absolutely not, Pastor. I don't think I'm better than Jesus. Jesus said he came to serve not be served, and gave his life a ransom for many. That's what he did. In other words, he came to serve me and you to die an atrocious death. So when you and I don't at least serve back in the church that we call home, as he has given an example of serving to us, then you don't have to say I'm better than Jesus. Your actions shows that everyone would think that you think you're better than Jesus. So I challenge you, jump in and serve somewhere in the local church because Jesus served me and you and died for me and you. Something else, being part of a connection group. You know, it was so cool. My wife went to the, to the uh, kayaking group Saturday. She loved it. They had a great time talking about the Lord and just was very excited about it. I go to my men's group. Man, be a part of other believers, hanging out with other believers and, and brothers and sisters, encouraging each other and praying one for another. See, God will bless your life if you give to God a self-discipline when you do. You say, God, I'm going to be self-disciplined in these things. I'm going to follow the leadership of your Holy Spirit. It makes it, how do you get that self-discipline so you live in self-control? For me, I like to get up early in the morning, spend time with God before I do anything else. Because here's what I know. How many of you have ever went out in a given day and man, you got hit between the eyes and something you never expected? Would you raise your hand? You probably remember the moment where you're at. Well, here's what I'll challenge you about, about spending time with God. Start off with five minutes, prayer and reading the Bible. Just talk to God about what you're going to face. Because what you do in the private heart and chambers of your life is what's going to give you power and victory in the public part of your life, no matter what you're going to face. It's that true. Please take it to heart. I challenge you to take it to heart. The choice to be with him and to meet with Jesus. The last thing is this. Lifestyle choices is really about day-to-day -day life. 
I mean, when you think about your day-to-day life, you're going to be faced in any given day with moral decisions and, and choices. You're going to be faced with moral and ethical issues that you're going to have to make a choice. We're going to be faced with sin that runs abound. My mind went to a story when I thought about a guy that was living day-to-day life and got, kept getting hit every way, shape, form, and fashion. His name is Joseph in the first book of the Bible in Genesis. You've known of him and the story of the Joseph, the coat of many colors. His daddy, which he was so old, it was almost like a grandpa relationship. He had Joseph as his favorite. He gets him this coat, I like him to something that you and I would buy at Saks Fifth Avenue. And he gives it to his brother, he gives it to Joseph and it makes his brothers jealous. And they get to the point that they hated him so bad, they wanted to actually kill him. But as the story goes and how it happens out with one of his brothers, they end up selling him to Ishmaelite traders. And those traders carried Joseph to Egypt. In Egypt, a man named Potiphar buys him and puts him over his household. God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. It says this multiple times in chapter 39 of Genesis. You know what? He's with him so much. Potiphar puts him over his household in charge of everything. God blessed Potiphar's households because of Joseph, because God was with Joseph. And he went all the way to the point that Potiphar didn't know anything about what was going on with his household because Joseph was running except that which he ate in food. That was what was amazing. So with that being said, I'll pick up in Genesis 39 and verse 6. It says, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Uh, any of you men look at your wives and say, that, that's like me, my, uh, honey. Just look at your wife and say, that's like me, because it's talking about you, right? So anyway, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused, prearranged choice. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. See, Joseph was exhibiting here self-control. Why? Because he knew God, knew every move he made, and he had integrity in his relationship with God. You know what I think about this? Some men in this day and time would have took this opportunity with this woman thinking that they would never get caught. It goes on to say, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around. Basically, they were by themselves, okay, when he went in to do his work. I'm going to park here for a second before I go into verse 12. Listen to me, gentlemen. Listen to me, ladies. You never put yourself in a, in a position where that you can be accused of doing something that you might not have ever done. Be really careful how that you, especially if you are a single person, you're around a married person and you work with them, or you're a married person and you work around another married person, whether it's at home with your neighbors, never get yourself behind closed doors with another human like that. You are putting yourself in a vulnerable situation where that, the, that you're going to be tempted and impulses are going to come. Let me give you an example. For our staff here at Freedom Church, our staff, we have what we call the Ten Commandments of Staff. It explains to us, whenever you are married, you do not go out with somebody with the opposite sex and eat lunch alone. Taboo. You don't go behind the door and close the door with someone of the opposite sex and have a conversation. I could go on and on and on. Singles, if it's two single staff members, they go out to eat lunch together. It doesn't matter. But you know why? You say, well, Pastor, you don't trust our staff here very much. No, I don't. It ain't I don't trust our staff. I don't trust the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what the enemy wants to do. And if he wants to do it in the church people's life, and the staff's life, what is he going to do with all of us? He wants to hit us and destroy us. 
You cannot give in an inch that I promise you it's going to take 20 miles in your life. It's that important. Verse 12, she came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on and sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand, and he ran from the house. We've got to learn to have self-control. Sometimes you may have to do like Joseph and run. See, no one, you say, well, no one would know, Pastor. God would know, wouldn't he, if he'd have done this? God would know he would have sinned against God, which is a wicked thing. He would have sinned against Potiphar. He'd have sinned against Potiphar's wife. See, when you make the right choices, listen to me closely. When you make the right choices, God will elevate you. Maybe God's not elevating you because you can't exhibit self-control. You're wanting to go to the next level and you're not doing it. Here it says that he left his cloak. Listen to me closely. He left his cloak. Do you understand for a slave, his cloak was worth a lot of money. And I don't have time to go into that. But you know what he did here? Joseph took a hit to stay in God's favor. That's just like today. I've, I've counseled with people and they tell me, well, pastor, you know, we're living together. And if and we're living together, and I know it's not right, and they feel convicted about it. But they say, well, we're living together, but if, but if we get married, we're going to lose a check. <laughs> My question is to them or anybody, if you're living together, do you want to lose a check or do you want to lose God's favor? God owns a cattle of a thousand hills. I believe, how many of you here in all situations, how many of you like me, I want God's favor. Raise your hand. Say, I want God's favor, Pastor. I want God's blessings on my life, Pastor. Because here it is. Character is who you are when no one is looking. That's what it is. That's character in a nutshell. Character is what you do when no one is looking. God, listen, God will not allow you to carry your character flaws into the future destiny God has for you. You cannot carry it in there. The essence of self-control is climbing before you're cruising. The key is to practice advanced decision-making. God protects us from overwhelming temptations. He promises to do that. The assurance to be able to overcome and take in temptations is a scripture that I learned a long time ago and memorized. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. But we're going to add in verse 12, and I want us to read it here together. If you think you are standing strong, if you think, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not. Say those three words with me. He will not. Allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out. Say that with me. He will show you a way out so that you can endure. It just kills me when people say, oh, you don't understand, Pastor. The devil made me do it. No. <laughs> the devil didn't make you do anything. You did what you wanted to do. You're just blaming the devil for your own sinfulness. God will never, ever, ever put you in a situation where that we are unable to resist the temptation. This is a promise assurance from God. The Holy Spirit is faithful. The key to this is practicing advanced decision making. Now there's three things you can pull from this verse and you can write them down. Number one in this verse, everyone's going to be tempted. Everyone is tempted. Everybody's tempted. I, the late Billy Graham would have told you if he's still living, he was tempted. Everyone is tempted, okay? Doesn't matter who you are. Understand that others have resisted the same temptation that you are going through. There's nothing new. Even I like what one version says. It says, such as is common to man. There's a commonality that everybody, there's nothing new in the sun. We've all been tempted. But also what this verse tells me is that God will help. But you've got to ask for God's help. You've got to seek God's help in this. And when you do, the payoff will come. 
You say, what do you mean, Pastor? There are great rewards when you do the hard stuff and you climb. Now, one day you get to cruise because God is helping you in every area of your life. Great rewards come <coughs> if you remain self-controlled and disciplined. I love this verse in chapter 6 of Galatians. Chapter 6 and verse 9, listen to what Paul says here. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, he will reap, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. <coughs> when we give God full control and we seek him in advance for our choices that we face daily, the blessings of God will come into your life if you don't give up. <coughs> There's so many people, and I'm just going to be as raw and candid with you as I can. I have watched hundreds of people come through this church. Hundreds of people that have come through this church that gave their lives to Christ, they got baptized, they even served for a while. <coughs> then something happened, and they gave up. If you will climb, you will seek God, you will partner with the Holy Spirit of God. Even when you get discouraged, so many people give up in that discouragement right before the breakthrough. It's crucial. God has a breakthrough for you. It's very important that you understand that. When we're tempted, don't give up. God is there. <coughs> when we make the right choices with our relationship with God, we make the right choices in advance with our spouses, those we date, the moral and ethical and sinful temptations that we face in our life, God is going to bless you when you make the right prearranged choice before it happens. Get involved in your church family. Serve. Grow. Read your Bible daily. Get with someone that's an accountability partner. It's very, very important. The devil don't want me talking. I'm telling you, I can't even hardly talk right at the moment. Listen to me what I'm going to say. You will be defeated if you're not devoted. Let me say it again. You will be defeated if you're not devoted, and that is to making the right choices, and then you suffer spinning out of control. <coughs> the Holy Spirit will help you with every decision that you face in life if you just won't get tired of doing what is good and discipline. And you know what? Sometimes you just have to push through it. So what I want to do is I wrap up here. I want to give you a self-control starter kit. So I need you to get your phone out. Everybody's got a phone. Get your phone out just for a second. We're going to do something a little weird. And you say, well, that's you, Pastor. You like it. You're just a little weird. Go ahead and everybody go to your camera. And I've already done this from the last service. But I'm going to go to my camera right here. And everybody, turn that camera around. I want you to get you a good selfie going. Most of you ladies are pros at this. Us guys, it's a little bit different. For us. You ladies, y'all take selfies all the time. You, you got this down. You got this. So, but us guys, just get up there real close, look at it, and smile. Take a picture. Look, I got my picture. I smiled, took my picture. See? All right? Now, make this your wallpaper. You say, well, man, where are you going with this? It's real simple. Self-control starts with yourself. Self-control starts with yourself. Every day, that handsome man or that beautiful woman that you look at every day, this is the person that God sees every day. He loves you. He has the best in mind for you. And he wants to help you. 
He wants you to be victorious. He doesn't want you to be a victim in life. He wants you to make solid, holy, righteous, advanced choices, prearranged choices so that you can live life in God control. It's that important. So do that. So not only does it start with self, what I want to talk to you about now is you got to start tr strategically. You say, what do you mean? How many of you here would raise your hand and say, right now, God has spoke to me about something that I need to take a look at in my life right now in self-control? Raise your hand real quick. Raise your hand real quick. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, if you are married, ask your spouse and they will help you with that thing you need to work on, I promise you, okay? But not only that, you're starting with yourself and you start strategically. Start small. Start small. It's very important that you understand to start small. It's day by day. It's climb, 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 and then you can cruise at times when you have an area that you're strong in, that you've mastered it with God's help and the Holy Spirit. But also, I want to challenge you, last thing, start now. Start now. Don't put it off. If you put it off, you'll never do it. Procrastination is the enemy to righteousness in a Christian's life. Let me say it again. Procrastination is an enemy to righteousness in a person's life as a Christian's life. You say, what do you mean? Righteousness means right living. So with that being said, in our lives today, self-control is all about, I'm gonna say it one more time, we're gonna get it. Self-control is all about, stand with me as we pray. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we honor you, and we thank you for this amazing day. Thank you, God, for everybody that's here, it's been listening, God, right now. Lord, this is a tough message, God, especially when you as the Holy Spirit, God, touch our lives and convict us of things that we need to get right. Lord, I just want to pray for every person right now, God, has something in their life, God, that they need to get control of. I pray, God, Lord, that you would just touch them, convict them, and love them through it right now with strength, God, to seek you, Lord, because self-control is about choices, God. So we pray, God, that they're going to seek you right now, God, and they know it starts with themselves. And they need to be strategic with things that may be taking them away from you and not that they have to eat something huge like an, like eating an elephant one bite at a time. Just start small, God, but they have to start now and they're going to grow closer to you. So I pray for that. So bless them. And strength to be able to turn from the temptation. Strength to be able to turn when impulses hits them in their lives. As we continue to pray, how many of you lift your hand right now and say, God has convicted me of something in my life I need to get under control. Well, just lift your hand real high, real high. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. You guys are awesome. Thank you for your vulnerability to even lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you as you pray for God's help to be able to do that. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray your blessings on each one that lift your hand. Even someone that didn't, God, because they're just struggling with that conviction right now. I pray, God, they're going to get things right. We want to partner with each one here, God, as a church family, God, and we're going to grow and go together, God, and live, God, in a way that you will bless our lives, God. <clears throat> Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Christ. You won't never have help of Christ till you have Jesus in your life and he gives you this Holy Spirit to guide you, to lead you, to direct you in everyday prearranged decisions. And right now, if he has convicted your heart and he's touched your heart, he wants to come into your heart because he wants to lead you in your life and love you and take you into the destiny for which he created you for. So right now, if you know right now you haven't given your life to Christ, and Christians, I'm asking you to pray in the house today, that's why you're here, friends. You're not here just because you happen to show up or someone invited you or you stopped by or maybe you got something in the mail or whatever. You're here because Jesus Christ wants to come in your heart today. He wants to forgive you of anything you've ever done wrong, and he wants to partner with you to have your best life now. 
So right now, if you know that and you need to give your life to Jesus, just lift your hand real high and say, that's me today, Pastor. Just lift your hand real high and say, that's me today, Pastor. I need to give my life to you. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just lift your hand real high and say, I need to pray and receive Jesus today as my Lord. For those that lift your hand and everyone else, Christians, you pray. Father, right now, God, we thank you for these that's prayed. I pray, Lord, I wish I could pray the prayer for them, but just, just lift your voice to God right now and say, God, I want to invite Jesus, your son, into my life. I want to ask you to be the Lord of my life. I believe in you, that you lived, you died, and you rose for me. Please forgive me of my sins. Save my soul, my life is yours. Now, as you've prayed that from a heart of conviction and the Lord coming in and touching your heart, the peace of Almighty God has come into your life. Thank Him for that. He's going to give you the present power of the Holy Spirit to go with you, and you'll never be alone. The God and creator of the universe in your life will be with you from now on. Please let us know that. We want to be able to partner with you to help you experience your best life now and forever. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And everybody says, amen. Give God praise, church, all right? Well, good morning, Freedom Church. I am so glad that you guys tuned in with us this morning. Listen, if you made a decision for Christ today, we want to know about it. We want to celebrate with you. So we have an online connection card. You can click the link in the description of the video that you're watching right now. Um, let us know about it. Let us know that you accepted Christ as your Savior. Um, and also if you made any other next steps, whether you know you want to be baptized or you want to join a connection group or you want to start serving, let us know about it. We want to connect with you. Even though right now we're online, we would just love to continue to connect with you through this season. All right, what's well, one of our favorite parts of the service? Yes, I did say favorite parts. We are going to give back to God. You know, the reason that God calls us to give with open hands is so that He can just continue to pour back into us. We want to be faithful with what He's given us. So if you're ready to give your tithe or offering, you can find links for that. You can go on our app to give um, and you can visit our website. You can also do it the old fashioned way. You can write a check. You can mail it to Freedom Church, 1010 Freedom Church Road in Gallatin, Tennessee, or you can just drop it by the church during the week, during our office hours, Monday through Thursday. So we just are so glad that you watched with us today. Um, we hope you tune back in next week, and we'll see you soon.